Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. You can join us on Monday, August 5th as well at 7 p.m. at the Ann Arbor Downtown Library. We are going to continue our WDET book club that evening talking about Dr. Mona Hanna-Atisha's book, What the Eyes don't see. We're going to be joined by Senator Jeff Irwin and Michigan Radio's investigative reporter Lindsey Smith, who did a lot of really, really important reporting on the Flint water crisis. We're going to talk about the Flint water crisis. We'll talk about environmental issues uh, more generally and infrastructure, all of the things that uh, sort of grow out of the Flint water crisis have been uh, really uh, great topics for us at uh, the book club event so far. So we would love if you would take a ride out to Ann Arbor and join us again Monday, August 5th at 7 p.m. at the Ann Arbor Downtown Library. Okay, so last night we saw the first 10 Democratic candidates uh, get on the debate stage here in Detroit. Uh, We are going to wait until tomorrow after tonight's second 10 candidates uh, debate to really get into what the uh, debates have taught us about these candidates and about uh, election 2020. We're going to have a panel of folks in here tomorrow to talk a lot about that. But of course, uh, we don't want to stop you from talking about it today. If you watched last night and have thoughts about the candidates or uh, the campaign or the questions, uh, call us all hour, uh, 313-577-1019. We'll get you on to talk about uh, what you learned from the candidates last night. Uh, and again, remember, come back tomorrow when we really will get into it uh, with a panel of uh, experts who are taking a look at both nights of the debate before uh, before they weigh in. But again, uh, all hour, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones if you do want to talk about what you saw last night uh, at the debate. Uh, up front today, after five years working as a political director for the Los Angeles LGBT, LGBT Center, Dave Garcia came to the realization that L.A. was never really home. So now he's back at Affirmations, which is Michigan's largest LGBTQ community center, and he is the organization's executive director. He joins us now to talk about his return to Michigan, about South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg's performance last night, and to unpack some of the issues that LGBTQ voters are looking at ahead of the 2020 elections. Dave Garcia, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you very much. Good morning. So so let's first talk about affirmations and uh, catch our listeners up if they don't know what that is, what it is, and uh, what role it plays in our community. Sure. Affirmations is Michigan's largest LGBT community center. Uh, We are celebrating our 30th anniversary year this year, which is quite impressive when you look at other LGBT community centers across the country. We serve our community in many different ways, from youth programs to LGBT senior programs. We'll be launching a new advocacy program very soon. Uh, Arts and culture, a lot of self-help groups, coming out groups, AA groups, things along those lines, and uh, arts and entertainment as well. And so what was it about Affirmations that drew you back to Southeast Michigan? Uh, I assume you were living pretty happily in Southern California. Uh, <laughs> why did you pick up and come there's back to Detroit? There's a lot, other than traffic, there's a lot to like in <laughs> right? Los Angeles. In the LA Center, there's nothing quite like that center, man. There are 125 million annual budget in revenue and uh, 700 employees in eight different facilities throughout Los Angeles. But the truth is, as I was there for over five years um, and what I was learning there, every week I would think we should be doing this back home. Every week. 
And this is where I grew up. This is where I want to retire. It's where um, my family is. And I just decided that it was time to come home. Affirmations needed some leadership, and I felt I was the right person at the right time to come back home. Hmm. Uh, and so let's talk about the work that you're doing at Affirmations. Uh, what was what was sort of the list of priorities that you saw when you walked back oh, in the man, door? That would take more than 20 minutes. <laughs> but, um, you know, obviously we have to stabilize Affirmations financially, and that means getting more individual uh, donors involved in the organization. Our volunteer base had dwindled quite a bit over the past five years, and so we have launched an advocacy program because I have seen clearly in Los Angeles what advocacy and policy means to the LGBT community and why we have a responsibility to protect everyone that comes through our doors and every LGBT person in the state and in the region. And so we'll be launching our own AF advocacy program here um, throughout Detroit, and that is for all kinds of policy issues. Um, obviously, our LGBT seniors are hurting. We are talking about a community of people who often lost their jobs, who often uh, never had Social Security, even though they were with their partners for 30 years, and they don't have the safety net of Social Security or the safety net of their families, and they need affordable housing, and they need uh, companionship, and they need camaraderie, and, and all of these things. So, and, you know, just the other day, I had a young man who was kicked out of his home in 2019, kicked out of his home in Kalamazoo, trying to make his way through Western Michigan, has nowhere to go because it's summertime. And so he doesn't have a dorm room to go back to. Well, in California, we passed a law where the state schools had to keep a dorm open during the summer for this exact reason. These are the kind of things that we can do here in the state of Michigan uh, for young men just like that. Yeah, yeah. Now, there are much bigger issues, of course, like the religious exemption, which I hope we touch on. Yeah. Um, talk about the differences, uh, some of the other differences between Michigan in California, when it comes to LGBTQ issues, uh, Michigan, of course, stands out in some ways, I think, as a place that has a lot more work to do than many other states. You know, I think uh, that's that your true. experience. Uh, sure. I mean, that's part of the reason I did want to come back home. I mean, I think I'm more effective here in Detroit in the state of Michigan, and Los Angeles has plenty of help. You know, there were often times that when we would get attacked from the Trump administration in L.A., we always had the state of California to turn to and say, you know, we're having funding cut here and next, you know, in this area, for example. Can you help us out? You know, obviously, I was excited from Los Angeles to see the election of our governor and our attorney general here in Michigan. Um, and I'm proud of that. And I've, I've met both of them already. And uh, they're wonderful people. And I'm looking forward to working with them and the secretary of state and others here in the state of Michigan. But. 2020 is going to be very important, um, and electing candidates that care for equality for all people should be front and center on all of our minds. Uh, I'm not here to endorse any candidate, but I am here to educate the community about what certain candidates stand for. And when they are attacking our community, they need to be called out for that, clearly. And we need to say clearly to vote for those candidates that uh, support equality for all people. Hmm. Uh, my guest is Dave Garcia. He is the executive director of Affirmations, which is Michigan's largest LGBTQ community center. We're talking about his return to the state of Michigan to lead Affirmations uh, and LGBTQ issues more generally. Where do we stand with uh, the move toward equality here in Michigan, around the country, uh, and how does that fit into the narrative of the 2020 presidential election, which of course is well underway right here in the city of Detroit. Last night we saw 
10 of the Democratic hopefuls for president on stage debating. Tonight we will see 10 more. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. Uh, tell us what you thought of last night's debate, if that's what's on your mind this morning. Uh, did you watch? Uh, did you see anything that maybe helped you make up your mind about who you might support uh, to be the nominee Uh, the Democratic nominee uh, next year. Um, Also, give us a call if you want to talk about uh, LGBTQ issues. Uh, Weigh in on where we are with those kinds of things here in the state of Michigan. Are we doing better than we used to do? Are we doing as well as we could uh, on those issues? We still are having this incredible argument about uh, the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act and whether or how it could be expanded to cover more people, to protect more people from the discrimination uh, that they face. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Before we get to the phones, Dave, I want to ask you what you thought uh, of the debate last night. Uh, we, We... we have a candidate this year, uh, Pete Buttigieg, who uh, is a, a gay man, the first uh, sort of openly gay man, I think, to, to, to run for president and get this kind of attention. What did you uh, take away from his performance last night? I like Mayor Pete. You know, he always strikes me as the most mature on the stage for as young as he is. Um, I like that he brought up some LGBT issues. We need to be discussing things like why have hate crimes against the LGBT community and others like Muslim community and the Jewish community risen since uh, the Trump administration was elected into office. Um, We need to discuss things like um, the religious exemption. This is not just about cake. This is not just about same-sex wedding cake. We have a doctor right here in Michigan, in Detroit, refusing to treat a baby because that baby's parents are lesbians and hiding behind his religion and the religious exemption. And we are seeing religious exemption laws pop up Everywhere across this country, the religious exemption is the single greatest threat to the LGBT community since HIV, Mm. and we need to start treating it as such. And so at least we're starting to talk about these things. Visibility is always important. You know, um, Harvey Milk used to say, come out, come out wherever you are, because he understood what that would do for the civil rights movement for LGBT people. And so people are starting to come out more and more. It's still a difficult thing to do. But now we have the visibility of someone like Mayor Pete running for president of the United States, who is a veteran. And for those of us that fought to overturn Don't Ask, Don't Tell, that's very important as well. But let's not pretend that we don't have a Trump administration who right now is going after the transgender community, right, and trying to kick them out of the United States service. And so these issues are important, and it's important to have uh, someone who represents us up there on that stage. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to the phones here. Art in Bloomfield Hills. Art, what's on your mind? Uh, greetings. Um, I was at the debate last night. I actually am one of the speech and debate coaches, or was, at Wayne State University. Oh, wow. And so from a speaker-receiver kind of perspective, what I found really interesting, and something that the cameras didn't catch, was how the seats around the house started to empty halfway into the debate. This is an incredible experience, but... Detroiters weren't interested in sitting down and continuing to listen. And that's something I think candidates really need to consider, Hmm. whether they're reaching the people of Detroit, the literal people in that audience. That's really interesting. Uh, And you're right. They don't they don't show you that on TV. And and I would imagine, uh, you know, that's that's a TV thing. Right. They don't want to 
suggest that people aren't interested. What what did you sort of feel uh, was was driving that? Uh, were you bored by what they were saying? Were you bored by the the, the exchanges uh, between the candidates? Yes, and mind you, I was the former speechwriter for Ingrid Lafleur. I understand political speechwriting and stagecraft, and there was just. It was a, a, lacking a je ne sais quoi. And I want to say that je ne sais quoi was authenticity. Hmm. The, the willingness to not just obfuscate and avoid saying your truth just because it may not ring with voters. Right now, Detroit voters want the truth. We, we don't really find ourselves quite in the same timeline everyone else's. Hmm. We've already had a black leader with Coleman Young. We continue to have expansion happening and innovation happening in Detroit. Yet it seems like people are talking to a Detroit that they remember, not the Detroit of today. Wow. Wow. Art, uh, I really appreciate uh, the call and the perspective from inside the theater uh, last night. Uh, Dave Garcia, what do you make of, of that idea that the candidates aren't maybe connecting as well as they could with the issues that people are really concerned about, especially in a city like Detroit. I completely agree that what will likely win the election is who comes across as most authentic. I think, uh, you know, I look back, I was a single father myself. Um, what Obama had, that authenticity, uh, that truthfulness, uh, mattered. And you may disagree with somebody on, you know, slightly on different points of policy, but do you trust them? Do you believe them when they talk to you, when they say something? And so I, I completely agree with the caller on that. Uh, as I said, you know, I can't endorse any candidates uh, here today, but I can endorse uh, truthfulness mm -hmm. and authenticity, and I agree with your caller as far as that point. Yeah. Um, do, do you think that when you think back on the Obama administration and the things that they did and didn't do, did you feel like that was a missed opportunity for LGBTQ issues that, that we had this Democratic president and in, in the first two years we had majorities uh, of Democrats in uh, the House and the Senate? Uh, was that an opportunity that we missed to, to, to push further? Or do you feel like we got a, a fair amount out of, uh, out of that administration? Well, you know, Obama had his hands full, obviously, from day one, and he had certainly um, enemies. But he did more for the LGBT community than any president before him or since. And so whether that was helping to and supporting the overturn of Don't Ask, Don't Tell or coming out in favor of same-sex marriage or many other things that he did behind the scenes with Health and Human Services and the Department of Justice and, and on down the line. I mean, I had the opportunity to meet the president and the vice president. And every time that my team from Los Angeles would go to Washington, he had an open door with his staff and his team and all of the major departments across Washington, D.C. And I saw personally all of the little things that they were doing behind the scenes as well. You know, one thing that was very important that the Obama administration did, for example, in the Affordable Care Act, was Section 1557, which is the non-discrimination clause of the Affordable Care Act. And it includes sex discrimination. And Obama's Justice Department said that sex is defined and will protect gender identity and sexual orientation in Title VII and also as far as workplace discrimination. The Trump administration has said the exact opposite thing mm. and, have, and has written opinions exactly the opposite. And so Obama did more than I think uh, people even realize when it comes to protecting the LGBT community. 
Um, and unfortunately, the current administration is trying to roll all of that back. Mm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019. Let's go to Terry in Detroit. Terry, welcome to the program. Good morning, Stephen. Hey. Hey, Stephen, I was just listening to your last caller, Art, and um, I get the point about not connecting, but I think the reason that the debate doesn't connect well is that the format is all wrong. These are very sophisticated issues. Even these issues around uh, the LGBTQ community, these are sophisticated issues. Healthcare is a very complex issue. So to try to have a meaningful conversation in 60 seconds with a 30-second <laughs> rebuttal or whatever the rule is, yeah. that's, it's just, that's the reason it doesn't connect. The format isn't working. Yeah, that's a, I, I think that's a really important ob- observation, Terry. It is uh, kind of set up to fail in 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 many ways. The format. The problem is I don't know what the alternative to that might look like because you have so many candidates. I mean, you have more than twenty people really who uh, who are vying for this nomination. How would you give them the opportunity to have? a substantive kind of dialogue uh, without it going on for eight hours and and who would watch that um, I, I will also say though I, I thought CNN did a particularly bad job uh, of uh, framing questions in a way that would elicit substantive answers last night I thought the questions were very oddly um, set up in in many cases they were they were kind of uh, almost kind of gotcha kinds of questions as opposed to mm-hmm. uh, actual kind of probing questions and that makes it worse right now you've got somebody responding to something that's not even designed to get a, a substantive answer I, uh, Dave Garcia I wonder what you make of of the format of of these things and may, <laughs> whether we're we, learning yeah, anything we will all benefit when there are fewer candidates and we can hopefully get into more substantive conversations I agree with with both your caller and yourself I we we got to get there and I hope we get there um, quickly and I particularly agree with you and this whole got you culture is not doing anybody any favors you know we just talked about hate crimes rising across the entire country Let's ask a simple question to those candidates. Why are hate crimes rising, and what are you going to do about it? Not, not a gotcha, just a question, right? and get their opinion. Yeah. So we, the voters, know who to support. Um, do you think that uh, the candidates should be spending more time, for instance, talking about uh, these loopholes that still exist that allow discrimination against absolutely. Uh, the Why is it 2019 and we can and LGBT people can still be fired from their place of work, denied public accommodation, denied housing, and we didn't talk about that last night on that stage, mm. for example. Absolutely, we should be talking about these things. And and you know, so after the Supreme Court uh, marriage decision, I remember I had several conversations with people who said, "Look, this is." A huge step forward, no question, but there are lots of other things that still need uh, addressing. Lots of other places where uh, members of the LGBTQ community do not uh, enjoy the same kinds of equality uh, or rights that that, that the rest of uh, the country enjoys. Uh, And I remember having that conversation and talking about whether there were further federal kinds of things that needed to be done or whether these were state issues. And I, and I wonder what you make of where we are with that now. Do we need to, to revisit maybe parts of the 14th Amendment, uh, for instance, uh, which, which would protect LGBTQ people if it were interpreted differently? Um, uh, or is it 
is it good enough to to fight these issues on a state by state level? Well, it's a good question. Both are happening at the federal level. We have the Equality Act introduced. Um, it has, for the first time, passed the House of Representatives, um, but it is not even being allowed uh, to have a hearing in the Senate uh, because the Senate is controlled by conservatives. The same thing is happening here in Michigan. The governor has agreed to amend Elliot Larson, expand it to protect sexual orientation and gender identity if it ever were to reach her desk, but the conservatives will not allow it to even have a hearing, much less a vote. That's what's happening out there. And so to your, to your earlier point, the, the Los Angeles Center after same-sex marriage uh, became law. Our numbers continued to grow at the center of people needing our services. And that will happen here as well in Detroit because we still need comprehensive health care for the LGBT community, for example. We still need affordable housing for our seniors. We still need emergency beds for kids getting kicked out of religious conservative households. And we still need to have fun. We still need to come together as a community and have arts and entertainment. And so the numbers in Los Angeles uh, were 45,000 clients every month. We serve over 33,000 a year here at Affirmations. But I think, and I'm already seeing, that number continue to expand for some of these needs and more. Okay, Dave Garcia, Executive Director of Affirmations. Uh, it was really great to have you here with us. It was a pleasure today, and welcome back oh, to man, it's Detroit. It's good to be home. It's yeah. good to be home. That's cool. All right, up next, we're going to have a conversation with the author of a new book that examines race and reconstruction. Uh, does history look uh, unfavorably, incorrectly, on the period of reconstruction in terms of what it achieved? Uh, Daniel Brook will join us next. Also, stay with us on the phones if you've got thoughts about last night's debate or tonight's debate. Three one three five seven seven. 1019 is the number. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.